We began three weeks ago talking about Christmas past, and we had our kids help us out as we kind of journeyed back in time and looked at that very first Christmas, and we saw the birth of Christ, and we recognized uh, really some key things. We talked about celebrating the supernatural. We talked about declaring the good news of the gospel. We talked uh, also about a heavenly invasion, how that God came to earth through Emmanuel, Jesus, to live among us and invaded our planet uh, for the purpose of building his kingdom. Last week we talked about Christmas present and thanks to our great team that did an awesome skit last Sunday, we kind of saw how that if we're not really careful, uh, how that we can lose Christ at Christmas. And we talked about how there are a lot of people that are going to celebrate Christ, I mean going to celebrate Christmas, but not as many people are actually going to celebrate Christ. And so we, we talked about how do we not lose Jesus and we looked at some simple ways of trying to create a place of honor for him in all that we do and really just uh, making room for him to be the centerpiece uh, of our Christmas celebration. Well today uh, we're going to look at Christmas future and if you've read the book or seen the movie Ebenezer Scrooge gets carried into the future and unfortunately for Ebenezer he does not like what he sees. As a matter of fact he is overwhelmed and literally uh, kind of awakened to the reality that his life is going to produce a future that he actually doesn't want to live in. And so this morning we're going to talk about how do we create a future because a lot of people have this mentality, well the future is just a great mystery and you can't control the future and you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I want to just make a very bold statement to you today according to the word of the Lord and that is that I believe that you can predict your future. Not every element, not every degree, not every ingredient, but I believe this. I believe that you can create your future by the seeds you sow today. And let's look at that first thought on our screen and I just want to kind of walk through a couple things with you today. So Christmas future is really the fruit of the seeds that we sow in Christmas present. We create our future, look at this thought, based upon the seeds we sow today. Now there is no doubt there are unexpected, unexplained things that will happen in all of our lives. But I am convinced of this. I am convinced that our future is literally the fruit of the seeds that we sow today. And if we want to create a future that we want to live in, then we have to begin to be mindful of the choices and the decisions that we're making today. I mean, think about this. All of us have looked at other people. Maybe you've seen a rebellious young man and maybe he's making poor choices and, 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 and he's maybe got involved in drugs and alcohol and he started stealing and breaking the law. And you've, maybe you've went up to that young man and you said, you know what, son, if you don't, if you don't change your life, you're going to end up in jail. Right? Y'all ever seen that in somebody else's life? If they don't change their life, they're going to end up in jail. You're going to end up divorced. You're going to end up this. You're going to end up that. And you know what? It's not that we're psychic. Right? You're not psychic. The reality is, is you're simply recognizing that the seeds they're sowing today is going to produce a predictable future. Right? Now the problem with that scenario is that we're really good at looking at other people and seeing the fruit of their future and we're really bad at looking at our own lives and seeing the same. 
Right? It's easy for me to look at another person's struggle and probably, you're messing up right here, you're making some bad choices here, and if you don't change, this is going to happen. But I'm really, I really struggle, and probably you do too, at looking in the mirror and looking and evaluating the choices and decisions that I'm making today and recognizing that if I don't change what I'm doing today, I'm going to end up living in a future that I actually don't want to live in. I'm going to end up walking down some paths that I don't want to walk down. I'm going to end up enduring some struggles that I don't want to endure. I was talking with somebody this week, and the reality is this. Life is full of struggles, and it's impossible to eliminate all the struggles because we live in a world that's stained and marred by sin. But we can eliminate a lot of the struggles of life by simply following the example and the truths of Scripture that God gives us. And so let me give you a couple scriptures. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, God is speaking. He says, while the earth remains, how many know the earth still remains? We're here, right? While the earth remains, God says there's going to be several things that are going to remain. There's going to be seed time and harvest. There's going to be cold and heat. There's going to be winter and summer. Sounds like Alabama in December, right? Cold and heat, winter and summer, all in the last week, right? And day and night shall not See, so God declared something. He said, as long as the earth exists, there's going to be winter and summer. There's going to be cold and heat. There's going to be day and night. But he also says something else. There's going to be seed time and there's going to be harvest. See, that is God's principle for producing fruit. God's principle for producing fruit in your life, in our world, in our culture, and in our nation is simply this. There's going to be seed time and then there's going to be harvest. Now, the reality is simply this. Here's the reality. There is seed, there is harvest, and in the middle there's this great big old thing called time. There's going to be seed, there's going to be time, and then there's going to be harvest. The challenge that has to happen in our lives is that between the seed and the harvest, we've got to maintain our faith in the midst of the time in between, right? Now let me give you another scripture. I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read 7 through 9. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever, y'all say whatever. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For whatever a man sows. If he sows life, he's going to reap what? If he sows death, he's going to reap what? If he sows division, he's going to reap division. If he sows strife, he's going to reap strife. If he sows discord, he's going to reap discord. If he sows, sows sin, he's going to reap a harvest of sinfulness. If you sow goodness, you're going to reap goodness. If you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. God, I want you to see this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he reap. I want you to see something. God has staked his reputation, his character, and his integrity. He has put all that at stake over the fact of seed time and harvest. God promises a harvest for every seed. Now, that can be wonderful news or that can be horrible news. All based upon the way we live our lives. Look at the next verse, verse 8. It says, He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting 
life. Now look at verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season, y'all say due season. For in due season, I wish, when due, I wish I knew when due season was. But I don't. But God does, right? God knows when it's due season. God knows when it's time for the harvest. God knows, I want you to think about this, God knows when the harvest will actually produce the greatest fruit in your life. See, sometimes you can harvest something before it's fully ready and you actually stifle the fruitfulness of the harvest because you wanted it now instead of when it was really ready. And so God says in due time, look at this, we, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That last phrase, do not lose heart, is a whole sermon in itself. And I'm not going to preach it this morning, but I want to encourage you in this. The key to seeing your harvest come is that between seed and harvest, there's time. And in that time, we've got to refuse to lose heart. What does it mean to lose heart? It means to lose faith. It means to begin to waver in our faith. It means that we put a question mark over God's promises instead of an exclamation point over what he has promised to do in our lives. God says, do not be deceived. I have staked my reputation on the fact that every seed you sow will produce a harvest if you refuse to give up and give in and stop believing me. Don't stop Believe in me, don't stop holding on to the promise that if I just keep doing the right thing and doing the right thing and doing the right thing, one day in due season, it's going to produce the right harvest. Because I know, just like you know, it gets very discouraging when you do the right thing and everybody else does the wrong thing. Right? Because how many of you know sometimes we're in relationships with people that don't do the right thing? And the natural tendency of our flesh is if you're not doing the right thing, I'm not doing the right thing. Right? How many of you know that God doesn't work that way? How many of you glad that when you weren't doing the right thing, God did the right thing? How many of you glad when, when God did the right thing and you did the right thing and then you stopped doing the right thing and you did the wrong thing that God kept doing the right thing? Man, I am so thankful that God keeps on keeping on doing the right thing. No matter what I do, God does the right thing. Because God knows if he'll keep doing the right thing, it'll ultimately produce the fruit that he is sowing into the lives of the people that he longs to see saved. So let's go back to that first point. I want to read that again if we can. So Christmas future is simply the fruit of Christmas present. We create our futures based upon the seeds we sow Today. So let me ask you a question. Are you sowing the seeds today that are going to create a future that you actually want to live in? Ebenezer Scrooge saw his future and said, I don't want that. I don't want that future. And you know what? Here's the good news. The good news of the gospel is that today we can begin to sow the right seed. No matter how many wrong seeds you've sowed, no matter how long you've went the wrong direction, no matter how many times you've chosen your path over God's path, today you can choose God's path for your life. And you can begin today to create the future that you want to live in. 
Think about it. Think about your marriage. Think about your family. Think about your finances. Think about your children. Think about your grandchildren. You can create a future that you can anticipate living in. Right, Kelly and I are at a kind of neat little season in our life. Jessica just got married. Samantha's 21. She's moving toward, man, some great things coming next year. Right, we're believing God for some good stuff. Levi's 16. And so we're kind of looking at this empty nest kind of thing, and we are excited. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day, they said, yeah, when your kids move out for about 10 minutes, it's going to be horrible. <laughs> about 10 minutes. Man, we're looking forward to that season. Why? Because we're excited about what the future holds. Right? We can look ahead. You can look ahead. You can look at the path you're on, and out of the, based upon the path you're on today, you can predict the future you're going to have tomorrow. And you might look at it because there's been times I've looked at my path and I thought, well, I don't want that future. Guess what? Change paths. I can do it. You can do it. Every one of us have the capacity, the ability to change past and get on a path that's going to create the future that we actually anticipate living in. Many people dread the future because they understand the seeds that they've sowed today. Tomorrow only looks grim if you're sowing grim seeds today. Tomorrow can be bright if you choose to sow the seeds that create the future that you actually want to live in. So let me give you another thought. I want you to see this. We're going to have a little fun together here in just a minute. So one of the ways that we sow seeds is through traditions. The word tradition has almost become, a, become an ugly word or a, a word we don't even hold on to anymore. But how many of you understand there is great value in traditions? God is a God of tradition. God establishes some things. In the Old Testament, God established stuff, and he said this will be a covenant forever. That sounds like a long time, right? A covenant forever. God established things that he said, hey, I want to set in motion because these are some traditions. These are some things I want to accumulate every year and every month and every day in our lives. And so I want you to see that, that we have the opportunity through tradition. This is Christmas, and Christmas is a fun time, right? Because many people have a lot of Christmas traditions, and we're going we're gonna to see how that tradition is more than just something we do once a year. Tradition is really a reflection of the values we have that determine how we live our lives every day of the year. But traditions are a neat thing. Traditions are really powerful. See, the traditions of today actually have the power to create the culture of tomorrow. You can establish some things in your life and in the lives of your children and grandchildren by establishing traditions or values that will live on beyond you. So traditions, I want you to see this. Traditions create culture because they place value. They place value upon certain things, and they set our families on specific paths. I said it a while ago that traditions are really not just things that we celebrate once a year. Traditions are our values. And traditions are really, are our values are really things that we live out every single day of the year. 365 days a year, we live out our values. And during holidays and special times of the years, we do special traditions in order to celebrate the values that we have in our hearts and in our lives. And so I want to ask you a question. 
What would your family say your values are? What would your family say your values are? If you have adult children or grown children, if you asked your adult children, what are the values of our family, what would they say? Because the reality is simply this. God is calling us as believers to create a culture. To create a culture of Christianity, to create a culture that honors God. And when you think about that, how do I create a culture? I begin to live out the values that I have. Right? I value Jesus. I value the Word. I value family. We value honesty. We value integrity. We, we value loving each other and showing love in a real and a powerful way. So those are the values that we have in our lives. And so as we begin to model these out, Traditions are just opportunities a couple times a year to kind of celebrate the values of your family, to celebrate the fact that we love one another and we care for each other and we forgive one another. And you know what? Honesty matters and integrity matters and telling the truth matters. And those are things that we value. We begin family. And all of a sudden, out of those values and out of those celebrations called traditions, we begin to create a culture in our family that causes them to hunger after those things. Now, I want to show you some neat things uh, just from Scripture, from the life of Jesus. Let's look in the Gospel of Luke. I think we've got them there, Luke chapter 2. It says, Now when the days of her purification, that was Mary, according to the laws of Moses were complete, they brought him, which is Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So they brought Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord. Now look at verse 27. Uh, so he came by the Spirit, this is talking about Simeon, the prophet, into the temple and when, he, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do to him according to the custom of the law. So they brought Jesus to the temple according to the custom of the law. Now look at the next verse, Luke 2, 41 and 42. We read this last week. When his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And so he came to Nazareth. Look at this verse. He came to Nazareth. Jesus this is, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So I want you to see something. The word custom was used three times in those verses. They brought Jesus when he was a baby to the temple because it was the custom of the law. Every year they would come to Jerusalem to the temple because it was the custom of the festivals. And the Bible says when Jesus grew up, that's Luke chapter 4, and began his earthly ministry, guess what Jesus did? He went to the temple. Why? According to, look what it says, his custom. There was a custom in Jesus' life that was established as he was growing up. They took him to church when he was a baby. They took him to church as he was growing up. And when he became a man, guess where he went? He went to church. What's a custom? I want to give you just a little definition the Lord just prompted in my heart. A custom is something we're accustomed to doing. It's, a, it's something we're accustomed to doing. When, when Samantha and Jessica were little and we would go on vacation, they would get mad. And they would get mad because we were going to miss church. Right? We're going to Disney World. We want to go to church. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Right? You know what was wrong with them? There was a custom in our family 
that we go to church. There was a custom in our family that we do ministry. There was a custom in our family that says we connect with people and we love people and we serve people. And the custom of the gospel to see people come to know the Christ. Those were customs. Those were things they were accustomed to. They were accustomed to seeing daddy tell somebody about Jesus. They were accustomed to us praying as a family. They were accustomed to us coming to church. They were accustomed to us reading the Bible. They were accustomed to us loving people, counseling people, encouraging people. They were accustomed to us having ministry be a daily part of our lives. We created some customs to such a degree that it became a part of their culture. It became a part of who they are. Before Jessica and Ian got married, number one, number one of the number one criteria as our children pray about a spouse is who God, I want you to join me to somebody that's going to be equally yoked together with me for ministry. That mattered. It mattered. To my daughter, that she marry somebody that she could serve God with and run with all of her heart after Jesus and know that he was going to be right there with her, leading her in that charge. Why would ministry even matter when it comes to getting married? It was a custom. It was a custom in our family that ministry matters, church matters, God matters, Jesus matters, the word matters, prayer matters. They matter. And it wasn't that we preached it, preached it, preached it. It's just that we lived it, lived it, lived it. That's just what we did. That's just how we, and we didn't do it perfect, and we made a whole lot of mistakes, and they've been through several encounters trying to get free of all of our mistakes, praise God. (laughs) And they're getting closer and closer. But the reality is, is there was a custom. There were some traditions. There were some values. In our family. When I was a kid growing up, I grew up going to church. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was about 15 years old, and my, my buddy, his name was Greg, he got an extra ticket to the Atlanta Braves baseball game, and he invited me to go with him. I was so excited until I thought about it, I had to ask Daddy. And so I asked Daddy, I said, Daddy, can I go to the baseball game? He said, When's the baseball game? I said, It's on Sunday. This is what my dad said to me. He said, What do we do on Sunday? what he said I said go to church he said that's your answer now I'm not saying you can't go to Atlanta Braves baseball game I'm not saying you can't miss a Sunday I enjoy vacation myself by the way but what I am saying is are you creating a culture is there a custom in your home that center around the things of Christ does your family create customs that value Jesus, value the word, value prayer, value ministry, value the eternal over the temporal things of this world? Are you creating a culture through your values, your traditions that say, you know what, this stuff really does matter. Now, I understand my children are growing up. They're becoming adults. They're going to create new cultures and new traditions, and they're going to, they're going to spread their wings. They're not going to do everything that Daddy does, and they're going to see things different than me. But what I am seeing in the lives of other people that have children much older than me is that when you consistently create a culture 
that values the things of God. Your children, when they're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, even 80 years old, begin to stay true to those things. Yes, they may do it a little different, and yes, they may lack a different style of music, and yes, it may be louder than what you're accustomed to, but the reality is, is they're still running the race that you set before them. Why? Because your traditions, your values established a culture in them. Hear me now. You can create a future that you want to live in. You can create a future that you can anticipate your children living in. You can create a future that is glorious and bright. Again, not without struggles, not without the unexpected tragedies and griefs of life because the world is full of struggles and unexplained things that we don't have a good answer to until we get to heaven. We can't avoid all the pitfalls in life, but we can create a culture that places a value on the things of God that really matter. Think about it. What really matters to you? Have you created that culture in your home? And again, traditions is just a fun way to celebrate it a couple times a year. But values are really what we live out every day of our lives. And not only do traditions create culture because because they uh, uh, live out values, but it also, if you look back at that last point, it also sets our families on specific paths. It puts us on a path. And we talked about it earlier. You can look at the path you're on today And if you just look ahead, you can say, hey, this is where this will lead me. Right? Not psychic. Not a mind reader. Just somebody that realizes the seeds of today produce the fruit of tomorrow, and the path I'm on today is taking me somewhere. It is my direction, not my intentions, that determine my destination. My direction, not my intentions, that determine my destiny. Nobody intends to go down the wrong path, but many of us stay on it. We don't intend to be divorced. We don't intend to go to jail. We don't intend to file bankruptcy. We don't intend to lose five jobs in three months. But that's the path we're on. We don't intend to hurt all the people we love, but that's the path we're on. We don't intend to lie to everybody that we care about, but that's the path we're on. The good news, you can change paths. You can get on a different path through the grace of Jesus Christ. You can begin again today by God's Spirit and walk in a brand new path. And you can begin today to create a future, not just for you, but for your family, that you can anticipate and long to live in. By simply establishing values and paths today that we celebrate through traditions that move us where God is calling us to be. Let me give you one last thought. No matter your past, no matter what path you're on today, no matter how many wrong decisions you've made, we've all made more than our fair share, more than we would all like to admit. We've made some poor choices, some bad decisions. But no matter your past, today you can create a future that is bright and full of hope because you and I simply just choose to follow Jesus. I want you to look at this last statement. When we allow God's truth to create our culture, when we allow God's truth 
to create our culture, our future becomes bright and our families become blessed. Think about that. When we allow God's truth to create our culture. When my values are based on God's values. And when my path is set by God's word. You know what will happen? I'll create a culture. Our family will create a culture. Our church will create a culture. That will begin to release the blessing of God. The favor of God. Let me give you a closing scripture. It's a great verse. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The Bible says, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God said, at just the right time I heard you and on the day of salvation I helped you. And look what he says, indeed, the right time is now. And today is the day of salvation. Don't accept this marvelous gift and then ignore it. Don't hear the message of the good news. Don't hear the hope of the gospel. Don't, don't, don't acknowledge what God has done and then walk away from it. Even in the lives, let me just say this, that, that, only, that doesn't just happen in the lives of people that don't know God. That happens in the lives of people that do know God. We hear a great message, not that today was a great message, but we hear a word from heaven. And God speaks to us in a service or in our quiet time or through the radio. And we know when we hear it, that's for us. And then we walk out of the doors of the building or we cut off the radio or we close our Bibles from our quiet time and then we just ignore it. Don't ignore it. See, here's the great news of that, of that verse. The Bible says if you don't ignore the gift of God's kindness, then today is the day that you can capitalize on what God wants to do in your life. See, I believe that the moment God reveals it to you is the moment you're anointed to act upon it. And if you will act upon what God reveals, then you will see the fruit of His salvation. Not just saving you from hell, but bringing the work of heaven to earth in your life, your family, your future. Don't ignore it. Don't accept it. Don't acknowledge, man, that was a great word. That was a great truth. Man, that was a great sermon. Man, that song really spoke to me. Man, my quiet time really hit me. Don't, don't, don't say, don't acknowledge what God is saying and wanting to do in your life and then walk away and ignore it. Because today is the day. Right now is the time. There's not a better day than today. For us to implement what God wants to do in our lives. And I believe this. I believe by the Holy Spirit that as we were working through this sermon together this morning, the Holy Spirit already started showing you. I know because he did me. Areas in my life where, hey, we need to, we need to reinforce these values. We need to, we need to clarify this path. This is the path we're going to walk on. This is the road we're going to run on. This is the direction we're going to move in. Sometimes we just need to tell our families, hey, this is what we're doing. (laughs) 
Sometimes we just need to make sure they're not assuming that they know our values, but sometimes we just need to sit down and say, hey, let's just clarify our values. Let's clarify the path. Are there any changes we need to make right now to get on that path?